Welcome again to another edition of the Southwest Climate Podcast. Uh, as always, I'm here with Mike Crimmins. Zachary, how's it going? I'm doing well. Good. How about you? I'm good. Good, good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you too. November. We're zipping right along. We are. It's Only not... seven and a half more months until the monsoon. Let's get the countdown clock going. <laughs> oh, I miss the monsoon. I, I know, mean, me because... too. Yeah, what happened? Are we still, we're going to still talk about that? No, we're not going to talk about the monsoon, but the last month, in Oof. terms of precipitation. Were you here? I was here. Okay, good. Good. But yeah. I don't remember anything. Was well, not no. Nothing to no, remember. That's, nothing to remember. That's yeah. the point. Uh, this episode, we want to cover, recap what happened uh, in the last month or so. Yep. Uh, which will probably take us, mm, I don't know, a couple, couple minutes. <laughs> it won't take long, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, maybe recap what happened last year, because last year could be an analog for this upcoming year in the sense that last year was a week. La Nina event, right. and we're on the cusp of another week La Nina event. So hope and pray we get <laughs> we get last year at least last year repeated. Well, you know, if California got last year repeated, <sighs> ooh yeah, they had an epic year in in precipitation and snowfall. Yeah, so we'll we'll do a little recap and we'll we'll look forward our sort of standard our standard recipe here. Mm-hmm. I think we can characterize October for a large swath of the Southwest as bone dry. Bone dry. Yep. In fact, the western two-thirds of Arizona did not receive, for the most part, did not receive any any precipitation. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, rain loggers, volunteer backyard observers that I was combing over there today in Arizona, and most of them had goose eggs for the month. There were a couple of lucky rain loggers who caught some precip in uh, far eastern parts of, of Arizona, but most folks in the state didn't get anything. We did squeak out one event. Later in the month, that put down some actually some heavy rain and hail in the northwest part of Tucson, but it was super localized. I just watched it from my couch. It was definitely a spectator sport kind of storm <laughs> at that point. And we have to be real careful with this episode is that we call this the Southwest. New Mexico actually had a pretty reasonable October. I mean, they came in average to above average as parts of their state. It was really a breakdown right at the state line. Um, That's right. Just the tales of bit. two Octobers here uh, in the Southwest. Man, it just didn't it didn't break uh, Arizona's way for sure. Yeah. So at the Tucson airport, it has been since basically mid August since we've had more than a tenth of an inch. Yeah. Yeah. There was a little trace. Or uh, do you want to think about those three weeks in July again? Should we just sort <laughs> of visually? We can't go back there. Oh, but those were those those were days. memorable. I know memorable you're counting down, you're counting down to those weeks. Seven yeah. and a half months. Yep. <laughs> October is not a month that we tend to get dry weather. I mean, the average October precipitation is close to an inch. Yeah, but come come, I, yeah, that's pretty generous, though. October, we should have a pretty low bar for October. The expectation is it's one of those months that has in its record, and as you go around the state, it has a couple of really wet months and is really skewed towards the dry. I think that's really because it is a transition month. You can sometimes get these tropical storms in the first two weeks of the month that can hammer the state. We can get some early winter type storms interacting with some subtropical moisture to put down some precip. But a lot of times it's just sort of transitioning. But how you can argue me, man? Well, right? how different is that than any any other month? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so September you're still reaching into subtropical moisture. I think you're still still within your grasp. So you're getting some. Monsoon activity may really in the month, and then we're sort of transitioning. But October is really that month where you pivot from monsoon 
towards the winter type season. And in that process of pivoting, sometimes the moisture just isn't there. And sometimes you're just going to be dealing with dry storm systems sort of trailing across the state. True. So if you look at the historical record that goes back to pre-1950, but 72 years of, of data, 13 of them have basically produced zero precipitation yeah. at the airport. At the airport. And to your point, the wettest 20 years uh, actually produced precipitation that was three quarters of an inch or, or greater. So only right. 20 years out of that 70 years yeah. produced rain that was th- that above the average that I uh, mentioned a, a few moments ago. And then, you know, you've got that on the far outer reaches of this, there's this little, there's this little jump of those three years that become the record years or this extreme outlier. So 1972, uh, definitely tropical storm, 2000, really weird year, lots of tropical, but frontal kind of cold fronty type storm, just like high frequency of rain events. Five inches. Yeah. Five inches, but over many days, sort of, it was like a very wet month. The rest of the, the season wasn't much at all. And then 1983 um, was uh, Hurricane Octave. Um, so decaying or tropical storm Octave by that point. Octave? So, I, you know what? That's probably <laughs> more correct, isn't it? I'm know. from Michigan. So, uh, you know, my Midwestern <laughs> pronunciations are, no uh, are in full but effect right here. Let's not go into a pronunciation lesson here. I started us down the, the wrong Thanks path Thanks a lot. <laughs> but, you know, there was a tweet recently about October precipitation being, no precipitation being only one of five events in historical record where there had been no precipitation. But if you kind of look a little bit deeper, again, you know, 16 16 years have produced basically no precipitation. So there's a few years with trace values and a few years with 0.02, which I mean... Yeah, I'd argue it's not that rare. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's like what we did in August by getting real close to zero in all accounts, we, we didn't. We, you know, we had a couple of event here or there, but there were there were places in the Southwest where you didn't get any precip in August. That's hard to do when you're in the core of the monsoon. So that that to me stands out as more unusual than having a dry October. You know, I think that the and again this varies around the region. And New Mexico did actually quite well with picking up some kind of frontal storms interacting with some subtropical moisture even out of the out of the Gulf of Mexico. The story, I think for Arizona and the broader Southwest is really the temperatures for October. That stands out as as being unusual. All right, so let's look at temperatures. Right, so the average temperature, the anomaly, the average anomaly was on the order of five degrees Fahrenheit, warmer than average. It's a lot. And that's for basically the entire state of Arizona and even Southwest New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Much of the state, then it was in the you know top ten percentile. A few records here and there in uh, in, in east, southeastern Arizona, but you know top top ten percentile. Yeah, we got squeezed again. It's not all that unusual to what happened last October. You know, we're kind of looking at the mid mid part of the month and comparing it to October 2016, which was the which was the record warmest for Tucson in particular. And it really looked like we were going to be breaking the record once again this month. But there was really active jet stream pattern, a lot of low pressure systems sort of coming in through the Pacific Northwest and sliding into the Intermountain West. And actually Nevada and Utah and Wyoming and kind of areas north actually had average to below average October temps while everything south of that and right at the Utah-Arizona border was sort of this break point where it's just slightly Mm -hmm. above average northern Arizona. You get down to the deep southwest and sort of, as you said, southwest New Mexico and southern Arizona. Then we're into the places that were much above top 10 percent 
of October temperatures to isolated locations, including Tucson, where we're getting close to near record. Tucson proper didn't end up breaking last year's record, but came within two-tenths of a degree if we're talking about the 1948 through 2017 uh, period of record. Yeah, so the average this year was 77.3 mm-hmm. degrees Fahrenheit, and last year was 77.5. Right. I, I think it's a tie. There you go. Yep, put an asterisk. <laughs> okay, so hot, dry. Dry. And we're, what was the jet stream doing? What? Wiggling all over the place. It was all <laughs> over. It was going nuts. Uh, yeah, the jet stream was active. The jet stream has been active. We've seen jet stream activity through much of the summer. <laughs> Actually, August into September, we were dealing with a suppressed monsoon ridge, and we were dealing with upper-level westerlies, and we continued to see much of the same pattern. Starting to see deeper, little low-pressure systems drop in to, as I said earlier, the Intermountain West, which was actually part of the reason you were starting to see the Santa Ana winds set up. Mm-hmm. And we had several easterly wind events here in uh, southern Arizona, which also were part of the reason that we ended up having these high temps. Having easterly winds moving into the low deserts, coming out of New Mexico, moving into Arizona, can really keep our overnight temps up. And so min temps were up, which will end up boosting the averages as well. Just going back a minute to our conversation about the average October, and yes, there's high variability. It's skewed toward the wetter, uh, a few wetter Octobers in, in the record. But, you know, zero precipitation puts us behind a little bit for uh, the cool season precipitation. So we're already, we're in a deficit in, in October. You know, we've been in, you know, a deficit basically since the end of July's precipitation yeah. in the monsoon. So looking forward, November, um, see about the same amount of, of rainfall as we tend to see in, in October. So a little bit more than a half an inch, less than, less than an inch. Basically, our December is somewhere around an inch too. So we, we get this sort of steady, not it's not steady accumulation, obviously, but all the months sort of tally around the same amount. Yeah. You know, October again, I never get too bothered by getting no October precip. I think that the thing that's a little bit more troubling, and we've certainly seen this happen with the drought monitor, is now really starting to bring the short-term drought conditions back into Arizona, that missing the October and September precip is a huge chunk out of Mm. the last six months, even eight months. And not having October, I'm not panicking yet, but as we get into November, especially later part of the month, you really do start to expect to see an event occurring. Get in December, a couple more events. And then by January, you know, we're in the heart of it. And we really should be hoping to see some accumulation of precip. And I think as you pointed out earlier, we looked to last year and we can, you know, maybe pivot into sort of the discussion of Lani and coming forward here is last October, we were having a really similar conversation, right? We were kind of looking at this record. It was the record warmest October for Tucson and in, in much of the Southwest um, near record temperatures freaking out, right? La Nina in front of us and November cooled off a bit. And then by December and January, we we're actually into some weather systems and picked up some precip. Looking around at the cities around the Southwest here, you know, Phoenix picks up roughly four and a half inches during the winter season. So between October and, and, uh, and April. So counting all these seven months together, four and a half inches. Flagstaff picks up 13 inches. It receives more winter precipitation than, than summer precipitation in Flagstaff as it does in, in Phoenix. Albuquerque receives about the same amount during these winter months as it does during, during the monsoon months. Tucson's roughly half and half, although slightly more for the monsoon. So 
So we're one month into it. Obviously, as you mentioned before, that the uh, the October time is is a transition season, so we shouldn't get overly overly concerned. But what are you looking forward? To? I'm not going to ask you what you're predicting. Oh, oh <laughs> what are you expecting? Yeah, that that's we don't say that word anymore, do we? Yeah, what, what am I ex- what am I expecting? Okay, so November is you know we're we're leaning into winter right now, right? So we, we're quickly the days are getting shorter, so we're actually now starting to see the temperatures moderate a bit cool off. You expect to see the jet stream pattern climatologically now start to move its way down the West Coast. November is an interesting month for Seattle. Seattle has a a bit of a precip maxima that emerges in November as the jet stream sort of settles in from the north, then settles a little bit further south, and then it will come back again and then give them a secondary maxima later in the season. So we're now expect to start to see some of those winter-type storm systems with precipitation work their way down into our region. But, you know, it really is sort of a beginning of November towards a later part of November. I was looking at the the, the Tucson records from last year. And by the begin at the beginning of November last year, we were in highs in the 80s, lows in the 60s. By the last month or the last day of November last year, we actually had a freezing event. So we had a low of 29 uh, by November. So big, big changes typically are occurring over a pretty short temporal window as we're um, moving through November. Yeah, so maybe we should just go back and recap what happened last last year because it was, and we'll, we can talk about this in a minute, but it was yeah. a, sort of a weak uh, La Nina events. And um, for those who don't know that the odds are in favor of dry conditions here in the Southwest, uh, in, uh, particularly in the Southern parts of, of Arizona, uh, New Mexico as well, mm-hmm. Southern California, as the, sort of the, the dynamics are that the, the jet stream is sort of pushed a little bit further north or it's prevented from ferrying in those 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 cold storms from the Pacific Northwest and we 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 tend to be drier. Of course there is there is indication that the strength of the La Nina event matters in this and there was a weak event and so there's a little bit more play at hand with the with the jet stream. But nonetheless last year for Tucson basically came in at actually pretty uh, pretty dry. So the average is close to five inches and 3.31 inches. So uh, an inch and a half. So 66% of average rain. Seemed like most of that was early on in the winter. By this time last year, we'd already picked up about a half an inch of rain um, at Tucson. So we had sort of an early November event. And then I think the thing that was interesting about last year is, is that you got to the end of the season and you had to look at the data to be convinced that it was actually below average because the middle part of the winter time was quite pleasant and we had a lot of cloud cover. The actual count of precip events between October and May in Tucson was above average. We had 30 rain days. We, we see about 25 for that, for that whole season. But the interesting thing was, was that the amount of precip we got on those 30 days totaled up to being below average precipitation. So it was, it was a lot of light events uh, relative. So if you think about it in that terms, getting precip early November, pretty frequent through December and January, not not getting shut out in February or March is much better than we've done in previous years. So that week La Nina, even even uh, coming in, you know, a good two inches below average in the, the season, it it really wasn't terrible. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the interesting thing is that seasonal total didn't really tell the whole story. You went further north, Flagstaff eked out, I think, just slightly above average. 
had above average frequency of precipitation events. And that was kind of the case across the Southwest. Yeah, so Phoenix was close to average. I would argue that some of the previous winters, even when we had strong Nino, that strong La Nina, those working out sort of hydroclimatologically would have been more impactful than the way that this, from a drought perspective, than the way that that last winter played out. And that was a weak La Nina event. Now, it, people may remember that last year was characterized, at least in California, as a year that experienced a huge number of yeah, atmospheric rivers. Epic, I believe it was yeah. the the most atmospheric rivers on record, and these are you know funnels of precipitation or, or moisture from the from the tropics that come in and right. and drop some of the the record setting uh, rainfall in, uh, across California. And I think we're getting a little bit of the leftovers from a lot of those events. So I think that they're not completely unrelated. I don't know, Mike. If you know, are the the, the atmospheric rivers tend to occur more often during neutral or weak La Nina events or when the sort of atmosphere isn't strong enough to, to, to pull things one way or the other? My understanding, and I, I don't know if this has necessarily changed in, in the research and literature, but that when atmospheric rivers are related, especially to Mandelian oscillations, is that the Mandelian oscillation MGO can propagate in neutral to weak La Nina conditions more mm -hmm. effectively. Uh, towards the west, because you know, if the, if, if the easterlies are weak, the MJO is typically weak, as uh, difficult kind of moving around. And then, if the easterlies are particularly strong during a La Nina, a strong La Nina event, then that that can have an impact too. So I I think that there's that connection. That that was that's some literature from like ten years ago, um, and I know that that's come a long way. And and but I th I think that still largely hangs together. And so it's probably fits together with the weak La Nina conditions of last year. And so that's the expectation this year in terms of the the La Nina being a weak La Nina. Like there's no strong there's no strong indicators that that's going to change at all. No, you know as you pointed out to me earlier, I, you know I was kind of thinking that last year we were a little bit. I thought last year was a little bit weaker La Nina, and it turns out no that we're actually even in a weaker spot this fall than we were last year. Is that right? Mm -hmm. That the La Nina peaked a little bit earlier and then crashed early in the winter, and that's almost a carbon copy forecast for what we're dealing with right now. It's even a bit weaker than it was last year. And it doesn't, I don't think it'll get to the magnitude that it was even la even last year as well. So it just from that one dimension of thinking about seasonal climate forecasting, just the one, and we know how many moving parts are that mm -hmm. we don't quite have nailed down, but that makes it a pretty squishy forecast kind of going forward. Again, La Nina leaning dry for Southern Arizona and Southern New Mexico. It's Probably reasonable forecast, but man, it sure. I think there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of uncertainty uh, surrounding it. Yeah. So did you did you just say what the forecast was? Uh, I didn't. I, I alluded to the fact that it is leaning very La Nina ish in the sense that it's looking at the analog for right. typical La Nina. Yeah, yeah, La Nina years, which is below average for the Climate Prediction Center's seasonal forecast for December through February does call for slightly increased chances for dry conditions yeah. in Arizona, New Mexico, Southern California. And it's that's basically the the La Nina imprint. It's a subtle lean in the probability of a of the lower tercile, right? So it's not about the amount and it's it's not anything more than if you're to carve up all your data into three groups that you slightly have a better chance of being in that lower group. Yeah, these things. <laughs> yeah, a slight, uh, you know, if you 
if you have three categories, it's a 33% chance in, in each category. But right. if you have, and you tilt the odds to one in in the below category to 40%, then the other is slightly adjust. So it's around, it's 33 to 40% in the, in the below tercile. It's around 33% in the middle tercile and then a subsequent uh, yeah. uh, There's shift. There's still pretty good chances of those other ones happening too. I mean, <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the other way of sort of looking at that too. That's true. But then, it, then if you flip it around and you say, okay, well, if you combine the middle and the, and the lower, and the lower yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's basically like a 60 to 70% chance that it's not going to be above. Right. Uh, precipitation. But, so, but near average ain't bad, you know? I mean, and it's you, <laughs> yeah. can, you can really carve these stats up in a lot of different ways, which is why we end up feeling so squishy about these things. And then the forecast for temperature is a little bit stronger in sense of- in Trend, the, in baby, the trend. The, yeah. The odds, and that's basically drawing on yeah. the trend. It's most, it's most uh, let's see, for this forecast, it's going to be trend, and it's going to be the La Nina composites as well. Because right. so, those having reduced frequency of- those cool wet days is going to end up helping boost your temps too, but that trend is in there as well. All right. So, what else? Do we want to talk about the analogs, the weak La Ninas of the past? Okay. So, if you look at La Nina events in the in the past since 1950, there's been 22 spanning, you know, the the weak, the moderate, and the strong intensities. There's been 12 of those have been of the weak variety, which is which is what we're in. And you know, looking at the precipitation pattern during those those weak events across the West, it kind of kind of get a number of different flavors. I think what pops is a sort of canonical pattern: wet in, in the Pacific Northwest, dry in the Southern. But honestly, there's varieties of of there's there's many different varieties actually here. I think what swamps the signal is that when it's been wet uh, in the Pacific Northwest, it's been really wet. Uh, and so that makes uh, when you average these together, it 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 looks like the there's been a lot of rain up in uh, Pacific Northwest on average in in La Nina events. But it sort of obscures the fact that there has actually been a a, a number of years where there's been dry conditions as well. Yeah, I, I think that you look at those weak La Nina events for the continental U.S. The dry southeast kind of Gulf state La Nina signal really does pop a bit, as you say. It's a bit more of a mess when you get into the West and the Intermountain West. And then if we group in December, January, February precip of 2017, and we call that weak La Nina, but the, the La Nina was really crashing at that point. And so by February, I think we were back in neutral conditions. So it's maybe why it wasn't sort of grouped into that. It's extraordinarily wet from New Mexico all the way up through the Northern Rockies and then California's epic wet as well. So it's like all the West was really wet. Tucson, interesting. Southern Arizona kind of came in near average, but um, that yeah, last year was was really quite extraordinary from that perspective. All right, well, kind of just have to see how things unfold here. Yeah, I, I think that maybe the <laughs> the take yeah, what is the take home here? The take home yeah. is, is we don't I mean, have I any think, idea what we're talking about. I think, but but to your point before, I think October is a sort of a hard month. Yeah, I, there's nothing. I don't think we can glean much out of. I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go on record and say that October is the most uneventful month to talk about. What do you it, think about that? Uh, May. Yeah, but May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. May zero. May May nothing, man. You get some, you get some extreme heat. That's it. That's not. We had extreme heat. That was boring this month. <laughs> I mean, the. October has potential. Yeah. Right? You can't get an. You can't get a tropical storm in May. This one just let us down. That's where I'm at. It went to the 
extreme unboringness. I mean, like it had to work hard at it. And all it could do is give us, you know, near record temperatures, which was no fun. All right. Well, we'll see, we'll see what the weather does. We'll see how it, Yeah. We'll come back and we'll see if seasonal forecasting is of any utility at all. All right, Mike. Well, it was it was it was good catching up with you. It's a valiant effort. <laughs> I look forward to uh, re- recapping November, getting into the heart of the winter, and and uh, and taking it <laughs> one day at a time. <laughs> one day at a time. Even though we're climate people. <laughs> When climate wants to be weather. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for, uh, for tuning in to the November edition, and uh, we'll, see in a, we'll see you in a month or so. The Southwest Climate Podcast is a production of Clemus, which is part of NOAA's Regional Integrated Science and Assessment Program and is housed at the University of Arizona Institute of the Environment. Mike Crimmins is a principal investigator with Clemus, a professor of soil, water, and environmental science in the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences, and climate extension specialist with the University of Arizona Cooperative Extension. Zach Guido is a research scientist with the Institute of the Environment and UA program manager of the International Research and Applications Program. The podcast is edited and produced by Ben McMahon, research outreach and assessment specialist with Clemus. Can you edit in, Alexa, pronounce active for me? Octave. They will. That'd be so awesome. Alexa, CPC forecast me.